Hey, thanks for joining us for our very first ever Pull Up a Chair podcast. We're so glad that you've decided to join us. My name is Ryan Smallwood. Pull Up a Chair is just designed to sit down, to literally pull up a chair, engage in conversation that sometimes we're not willing to have. And on that note, um, today I'm so excited to have Jeremy and Ginger Barbie uh, join me for our very first episode. We're going to be talking about interracial marriage. And um, just as a reminder, uh, I, I, actually as at the outset of this very first podcast to let you know that as we pull up a chair and have these conversations, um, I need to let you know that the views shared here today may not necessarily reflect my views nor the views of Aldersgate Church, but that's part of the podcast is to engage in conversations that um, are sometimes hard, difficult, and and conversations that sometimes um, the person across the table may not see things the same way we do, but that's okay. We can still have that conversation and need to have that conversation. And I think this uh, topic of interracial marriage is a conversation that sometimes the church has shot away from for a very long time. And so I'm excited that you guys are willing to be here today to, to talk about it with us. And so um, why don't you guys just introduce yourselves first, and then um, we'll just kind of jump in with letting you tell us a little bit about your background, your history, some life experience, and we'll go from there. Maybe? Me? Yes, Okay, go I'll go. Uh, Jeremy Barbie grew up in Richmond, Virginia. I'm the oldest of three boys. Um, I don't know what else you want to know about me. I mean, I uh, uh, have sell aviation insurance, so I'm a small business owner and have an insurance agency licensed in like 15 states, but yeah. here in Lubbock, Texas. Yeah. So we'll we'll just state it right off the top of the podcast, Jeremy. So some people may be listening in, they may be exercising or, or shopping or driving or whatever, and so they're not watching. And so let's just state the obvious from the beginning for those who are listening and not watching. You're you're a black man. Yes, and so I'm a black man. Um, yes. they probably need to know that if they don't know you already. Um, tell us a little bit, Jeremy, um, about what it was like to grow up in a black family in Virginia. Sure. So growing up, um, the city that I was born in, in Richmond, Virginia, is predominantly black, or at least was when I was there. I'm assuming it still is. Um, and so the schools that I went to, um, both elementary schools and as well as middle school, I went through seventh grade, um, was mostly black. And so the um, school was mostly black. Our church that we went to was mostly black. And so I would have one or two white kids that were in my class, but otherwise predominantly black school. And I mean, we knew that the city of Richmond, because uh, you learned about that in school, was racially different than the rest of the country. And so even though Richmond was, I want to say probably 70% black, um, that the rest of the country, we were the minority. Um, and so as a black person, I was a minority in the rest of the country. Um, and so that's really, was definitely something that was in the back of my head um, and so my parents grew up during the civil rights era. And so they experienced segregation and um, more direct racism. And so those are definitely things that for me as a kid, I always thought, well, that's stuff that's in the history books. It's stuff that my parents went through, but it's not really things that me and my brothers would have to experience. At least I thought I didn't have to. Um, but I experienced some of those same issues, some mm -hmm. of those same issues of racism, of prejudice, of being discriminated against because of the color of my skin. Yeah. Um, and, and I know you, you've shared a few of those stories with, with me and, and us here at Aldersgate Church. Mm -hmm. um, just tell us a story or two about some of the um, racism that you experienced growing up. or Because I, 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 I think, especially for, for people like myself who are white, we, we sometimes think these things really don't exist. and Or if we think they did exist, it was long time ago, right. but but not in someone of your age. And so share a story or two with us that would 
help us put in context the racism that that you really did face and do face day in and day sure. out. Sure, um, I'll let you know. Um, maybe just a couple of stories. One of them happened when I was in college. And so um, I had an opportunity to serve as a uh, missionary doing summer missions on a creative worship team. I like to sing and dance and act. So it's kind of right <laughs> up my alley. Uh, one of those opportunities allowed me to go to a church um, and visit there. And so then the following school year, um, I get a phone call from the pastor and he says, hey, we have an opening for a youth director. I'd like for you to apply. I was like, okay, sure. You know, um, I'd been to the church for folks kind of knew me, everything else. I had a really good time there. I thought I had good relationships. So I thought I kind of enjoyed it and they liked me. Um, they knew I was black. And so that wasn't an issue. It was an all white church. Um, but I thought, okay, I mean, they're asking this black guy to apply. Like they're okay with Surely it. They're okay yeah, with it. sure. They're okay with it. Uh, and so I go and interview, uh, meet with the pastor. We talk, I meet with the board of elders. We talk, and then I have a meeting before the entire church. Um, and I have never experienced a grilling like that in my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I am 20, 19 or 20 at the time. I don't remember exactly how old I was uh, when I'm doing this. And I mean, they asked me all kinds of questions about stuff I expected about my faith and um, all that, but also just racial stuff too. And so all kinds of things, pokes and prods and everything else. Uh, they did eventually hire me. But there was a member of the church, and I don't know if he was part of the elders or if he was just a member of the church, who voted no uh, for me to come on board. And the only reason he voted no is because I was black. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, and this this is, I mean, not giving away your age here, but this is recent <laughs> history. I mean, yes, this, it was this, like 2000, 2001. That's right. I mean, so this is very recent history. This is not 50 years ago or 70 years ago. This was, yeah. Yeah. And it was in a church. In a church. Yeah. So, in a church. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know you could go on all day telling the stories of, about some of these experiences in your life. And um, I know it's not always easy for you. So I appreciate you you sharing that with us. And um, so, so Ginger, by default, um, that means you're white. Um, <laughs> since we're talking about interracial marriage, um, white with uh, red hair. So tell us a little bit about some of your experience growing up or just um, some of your life history. So um, I grew up in Lubbock, and um, the middle child, which I found out today was National Middle Child Day, so there you go. Um, Probably everybody forgot about it. Um, (laughs) I think I got that. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, anyways, uh, older brother, younger sister, um, grew up middle class, you know. um, Traditional white family. Yeah, Fairly traditional, um, but my parents always made an effort for us to not be in like, I guess what you would say all white surroundings. So I went to a magnet school on the east side of town and um, had lots of friends of different races. Um, my parents would drive across town to the projects to pick up my friends so they could spend the night. Um, I feel like they made a lot of effort to make our world not be one color. And I appreciate that a lot, especially as I got older. And um, so my brother 
talked about this a little bit earlier, but my brother played basketball. And so all of his buddies would just basically come and live with us, you know, for time during basketball season. And so, um, so yeah, I, I feel like my parents tried to, to make, make it look a little different for us yeah. and, and a conscious effort, which it, which it takes. Yeah. So which is, which is what we're doing here. So we've, we started this podcast, launched this podcast to, to sit across the table with people who may think differently than us, look differently than us, behave differently than us. Um, and so what I hear you saying is that your parents were very intentional when you were growing up about putting you in mm-hmm. context like that, mm-hmm. um, where yeah. people looked different than you, thought differently than you, yes. behaved differently than you. And so from that, you, you learned, um, Yes. I, I feel like I learned a lot. And, and, um, but then, you know, it's one thing to have friends, but then it's another thing <laughs> to marry someone <laughs> of a different race. So that, that brought on a whole new, um, level of challenges maybe, and, um, just different things to face, you yeah. know? Um, so, but I, I, I think the way my parents set things up for us definitely helped that transition for Jeremy and I, you know, um, the fact that I wasn't in an all white school or, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm going to ask you a hard question. You and I've actually never talked about this. And so if you don't want to answer it, just say, I don't want to answer that. But do you feel like if your parents hadn't raised you that way, you would be open, you would even be open to dating someone of a different race? I wonder, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I wonder if, if they hadn't been so intentional, if, if I had, if I would have been as open mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. other, you know, races yeah. in general. But I mean, I, I had dated black guys through high school, college, like, you know, so it, yeah, it was always, and it was not a big deal. But perhaps because of your upbringing, it didn't feel, I don't, I don't know what the best word is here, but it didn't feel abnormal. It didn't right. feel yeah. a taboo. It didn't feel taboo. Right. Yeah. Not, as, not near as much, I think, um, as it maybe could have. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, I am very appreciative of the intentionality that my parents mm. took in that. And Jeremy, you and, I, you and I have had conversations off the podcast about this in terms of racism or, or, or racial behavior or, or injustice, in terms of how much of it is um, taught intentionally and how much of it is just picked up uh, unintentionally. And so I, I think what I hear you saying, Ginger, is that your parents were very intentional about teaching um, against racism and racial injustices and, and those kind of things. So, yeah. yeah. So fast forward a few years and, and you guys meet uh, in, in seminary of all places, right? So, yes. yeah. so give us a lowdown on that. Kind of how did that, how did that happen? How did that shake out? Do you want to tell who me too? Um, we just, uh, we met at mutual friends, um, had a big birthday party. And yeah. we at a met, bar up there. Yeah, at a bar. We were at a bar. So. <laughs> we met on the dance floor. How, how many yes. times do we hear married couples, their story, <laughs> hey, I met at a bar. I mean, that's right. Yeah. It's well, like, but see, ours, I think, is even better because we met at a bar in seminary. In seminary. <laughs> well, and it was all seminary folks over there. I mean, that's the thing is yeah. we were hanging out with our seminary friends. And like she said, dance, we were dance together and didn't ask each other's names. 
And so there was a bunch of seminary folks there. There's some folks. I was uh, started a year before she did, year and a half before she started school. So a bunch of people I knew that were there and folks that she knew that were there. Um, and I don't know if I've even mentioned this part to you. I was out there and just dancing with folks I knew. And they knew me, knew that I wasn't a creepy seminary guy, <laughs> um, you know, and that I was Which just exists. having fun. Yeah, they do exist. Um, <laughs> and so I was just having fun, dancing, enjoying just great time. Well, I danced with my friends that I knew and would dance, have fun. And then I would just dance with some of the other folks, girls that were there that were just new and they would kind of slowly start backing up further and further away from me. And I was like, forget it. I'm not here to play games. Like <laughs> if you don't want to dance, don't dance. Like that's not a big deal. And then dance with Ginger and she wanted to dance with me. And so we actually like danced together and had fun and left and didn't think any other things, think anything else about it. So yeah, the rest is history as they say, right? Yeah. So, yes. right. Yeah. So there was obviously a physical attraction there. Didn't, didn't really matter the color of, of mm -hmm. the skin right. and, and obviously more than physical attraction as well. So y'all start dating in mm -hmm. seminary, uh, interracial couple. So it, at the seminary you were at, was that typical, atypical? Um, like, was it a, were y'all in the minority or? There were actually quite a few um, interracial mm -hmm. couples there, mm -hmm. uh, not just black, white. There were Asian, white, mm -hmm. Hispanic mm -hmm. and black, Hispanic and white. And so there was all kinds of interracial couples that yeah. were there. Actually, when we got, I mean, it didn't take very long, but when we got fairly serious, there was one couple that was married and I just asked like, hey, can we meet and just hang out with um, the wife? Like, what was it like for y'all? What did it look like? Like, your families? How did they react? That kind of thing. Um, Britton and Sarah. Yes, yeah. And um, just, just, they were so great and helpful and just, you know, very open. And then we found now, being married 12 years, that um, the same. Like, we, you know, pe people that are just starting to date and interracial will say, hey, can we just come talk with y'all? Like, what is it like? What, you know, um, and see. And so I think that's helpful to have those yeah. relationships. And So saying that makes me think that it's, it's de in y'all's experience and the experience of those who've reached out to you, it's, it's definitely still not um, mainstream or it's still definitely not um, just common practice in, in the mm -hmm. culture that we, we live in for the most part. Yeah. Is that safe to say or fair to say? I think it, it just depends on the area. It's different. And yeah. anything that's different is going to, you know, maybe go through a little more bumps. But, I mean, obviously, even in the 12 years since we married, you know, leaps and bounds. And yeah. it's so much more common. Mm. And as the years progress, it, I think it will be more and more and more. Um, but I think it, it's not the norm. So there's always going to be yeah. some differences and different things hurdles to jump over. Yeah. So, so I, I grew up in West Texas, uh, conservative rural West Texas, uh, grew up in the church. And so, um, I, I mean, I, I remember growing up and I, I don't really know why I don't, don't remember why I just, I just remember, you know, interracial dating was frowned upon and it was, it was, it was not, um, not something that was definitely encouraged. And, and when, any of my friends did start to date interracially, then it was definitely um, it was definitely the buzz around a small town. It doesn't take much to get the small town buzzing, mm -hmm. but it was definitely the buzz around a small town. So, um, did you face struggles when you were dating as an interracial couple? Um, we faced some. Um, I think 
for me, I may have been more aware to some of it than she was mm -hmm. just because growing up black, I mean, I was had experienced prejudice and um, discrimination before. So I was more aware of knowing when people were staring at me, when people were watching me, when I was being watched in grocery stores or in wherever I was doing shopping. And so I was more aware of the looks mm. um, that people give when I felt like I was being judged or watched because they think I'm going to steal something or whatever their thought process was. Mm. So I think I saw a lot of that more and I intentionally didn't say much to her really to kind of shield her from some of it. Um, Cause from my perspective, I'm like, you know, I'm black. God made me black. Like none of us get to pick the color of our skin. If you've got a problem with me because of the color of my skin, talk to God, not me. Mm. I mean, like I can't control this. Yeah. So I just try to be um, just someone that follows Christ that follows hard after God and be a good example to those around me. I'm like, beyond that, sorry, like if that's not good enough for you, then that's a problem you have with God, not me. Mm. So is it, Jeremy, even as an interracial couple dating or, and or married. Mm -hmm. And so is that kind of the attitude you take into that too? If people, if you view people have a prejudice against that, is it kind of like take that up with God? Because this is this, we feel like this is a God ordained thing. And I mean, so is that kind of your attitude towards that as well? It is, it is. I mean, there's a lot of times just growing up and some of my family, had some issues with us uh, dating and getting married. And it was always the comment, because you see it a lot of times in athletes, professional athletes, um, black professional athletes would marry white women. And so it's like, why are all these good um, black men wearing white, marrying white women? And my thought is, there's nothing stopping you from marrying a white guy or Hispanic guy or an Asian guy. Like, if you fall in love with somebody, does it matter? Should it matter the color of their skin? Mm. You know, why are we... Uh, really separating ourselves or trying to keep ourselves saying that, oh, it's okay if they're the same color of skin of you, as you. I can have uh, more life experience with someone of a different color of skin because of how we were raised and grew up than when someone the same um, skin color as me. Mm. So you both felt pressure then from your ethnic cultures in regards to interracial dating and marriage. So like you, I mean, I think we tend to think, or maybe this is just my prejudice, but I think we tend to think that the white culture tends to look more negatively against interracial marriage. But you're saying, Jeremy, you felt that same pressure from the black culture as well. Yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's always a big thing in the black culture about that as well. Um, so you're not marrying your own. Family. You're not marrying your own kind. kind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's the thing. It's like stay. And that to me sounds like experiences that you had, Ryan, just um, in the small town you're in. You know, it's kind of the unspoken role among a lot of racial groups of stick with your own people. Yeah. Stick with your own kind. Yeah, absolutely. But I think from my perspective in terms of being a white male, like. Mm -hmm. I didn't recognize that that came from other races as well. I thought that yes. just came from the white race. Oh, so, no. Yeah, it comes from black people as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. I think, too, as far as us dating, I think we had a little bit of a benefit because we started dating in Boston. So it wasn't small town. Mm -hmm. And so we did see more, like, interracial couples around. And so, like, at least for me, it was like, oh, you know, look, we, we would kind of point them out like, look, there's more <laughs> like us. Yes. Um, and so, but then like 
when we would come to Lubbock or when we moved to Kentucky, it was like, oh, yeah. it's not, you know, as common. Because uh, you, you did move from Boston to a, to a more conservative area and a more conservative seminary. Mm-hmm. So did you feel a shift when you did that? A slight one, but I found out later that apparently we lived near Lexington, Kentucky, and I don't know how true this was, but I had a guy I worked with, a black guy, who told me apparently the Lexington for a while had the highest percentage of interracial couples, hmm. like married couples or something in the country. there was a huge Hispanic population in Lexington. In, in our town, small town, um, it was a little more obvious. At seminary, nobody cared. Yeah. I mean, everybody's from all over the place. Everybody's kind of fish out of water. So we we had no trouble fitting in there. The, the smaller towns around us, we felt it a little bit. You didn't really see... Um, like outside of the seminary um, community, many people of color, you know, um, so much so that one time we saw a black family and I was like, honey, there's another black family. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it, that was a little bit of a shift. But I know when we first started dating, we, I kind of felt like we had a cushion yes. because we were in Boston. Mm, yeah. And so fairly metropolitan, you know, big city like even though we were in the suburbs still you're Same just mentality. gonna see more yeah yeah, yeah. We're, we're not in kansas anymore right, right. so exactly so, yeah yes. so yes. no no offense to our friends from kansas but yeah we're, we're just in a different place mm-hmm. in a different world so mm-hmm. um okay so you you get to the place where you're engaged and you're ready to be married mm-hmm. what what hap- what happens then? What kind of response do you get then? And does it shift or does it change or what, what happens? It was interesting. Like our families, my family was still okay with it, but it was, like I said, you know, it goes, it's one thing to have friends, but then to say you're going to marry someone, I think it just was kind of like, hmm, okay, not sure. What does this look like? Um, what are other people going to say? Things like that. Um, I use, Classic, um, the story I always tell is of, of my grandparents. Um, my grandmother had her birthday yesterday. She's 98 years old. And um, my grandfather, who's deceased, they handled it two very different ways. And um, my grandmother was very, what, what do I you say? You don't mix. No. You stay she, with your own con. She did. She yeah. said, you don't have a, I don't have a problem with black people, but you don't mix. Mm. And so she was very adamant about it, and she questioned everything about Jeremy. Um, she asked him if he finished high school, if he went to college, how many years did he finish, knowing we met in seminary. And working this, on our master's degrees. Right. She <laughs> had to get all those before. But but. She questioned every little thing, um, and she just was – she was really worried. She was really, really worried. Um, now – Everyone should know she thinks Jeremy hung the moon and is, you know, absolutely adores him. And in fact, I hear that she's like one of his favorites or or one of her favorites. So my grandfather, on the other hand, um, so he was four, four years older than my grandmother. So both grew up in similar times. And so the, the adage that, um, you know, that's how they were raised. I don't know different. I don't quite go with because my grandfather was, raised the same way as my grandmother, and he approached it in a completely different way, which I think we can just all learn so much from. He went to Jeremy and said, okay, this is different for me. 
and th- this is this is hard, this is new, but I want to know about you, and I want to I, I want to get to know you. So he came and like tiny my grand my grandfather was like five nine five eight yeah, maybe maybe. <laughs> maybe and pulls Jerry by the arm and goes and sits him down and says okay tell me about yourself and you know just instead of like the like staunch like question 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 who are you what are you doing went from okay I I don't know I don't know what this is this is new for me and so every time thereafter that my grandfather and Jeremy were in the same room he would come over and grab Jeremy and sit him down and tell me about you and tell me about your family and tell me about, you know, what do you like to do? And I just think that is the picture of how we can learn and, and move through things and that are different. You it, know? It's the picture of pull up a chair. Yeah. Oh. I mean, a hundred percent. And and it's like, you know, at the time he was 85 maybe. Uh, and, and for him, at 85 years old, you know, to be so willing to just say, I don't know. I don't know what this is. This is foreign for me, but tell me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just think, you know, that we can learn so much from that. How did that make you feel, Jeremy? So that this, that he took such a genuine interest in you and wanted to learn, not, not just a judgmental interest, but wanted to know really who you were. How that, for me, like that was the thing he wanted to know me as a person. And so it didn't matter that I was black and he was very free and admitted it. And I appreciated that. I appreciated his honesty and him saying, Hey, where I grew up or how I grew up, this was, this is not the norm, but I want to get to know you as a person. So regardless of the color of your skin, I want to get to know you as a person. Mm. And so for me, that uh, meant the world to me. I think that it's like, we could stop the podcast right here. (laughs) We're not going to, but we could stop the podcast right here because that's what this is all about is pulling up a chair from somebody that, that is totally different from us, looks different from, has totally different life experiences, thinks differently, votes differently than us, but being able to say, I want to get to know you yes. and, and taking a true interest in getting to know someone. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm assuming, you, you know, Ginger, your grandfather still didn't have to f- agree with everything Jeremy said or thought or, mm-hmm. you know, did, but he just took a generous, genuine interest in mm-hmm. getting to know you. And I, right. like I said, we could stop the podcast right there. Cause that's mm-hmm. what it's all about. So, um, did, did you, did you have some of the same experiences from your side of the family, Jeremy, or? Uh, not quite the same. Uh, I had an aunt who was not thrilled with me, uh, dating or marrying a a white woman. Um, and so it was really kind of the mindset of stick with your own, you know, and kind of while these good black men marrying white women. And so definitely of that mindset, but she came around, Mm. um, and she's a fan of gingers. And, um, I was actually concerned when I preached here at church about, um, racial reconciliation, I was concerned. I was worried about, you know, some of the stories and the things I shared are fairly open, just like here it is, what her perception would be of it. And I talked to my mom later and she said, oh, my gosh, she loved it. She thought your sermon was great. It was right on point. Like, you know, said it wasn't over exaggerating things um, because I didn't want it to come across that way. But really, hey, this is it. This is my experiences. This is what my family was like. Um, But also my mom had a cousin who married a white woman before I was born. Mm. And so some of the issues that um, kind of Ginger and her family were dealing with, 
as a family, they had to kind of deal with some of that stuff before we even got married, before he was even around. So I think for me, that kind of, I don't know if shielded is the right word, but kind of shielded me a little bit from some of those same experiences because they had to deal with some of those issues as a family sure. early on. Sure. Yeah. Hey, and let me just interject here and say, uh, I hope you guys follow the podcast and and you can follow all of our sermons, which Jeremy's sermon is on uh, aldersgate.online. He did preach about racial reconciliation. It's fantastic. I encourage you after this podcast to go and check it out. Uh, It's really good stuff. So, um, okay. So you, you've worked through that. You, you get married. Uh, Ginger, one other question I had for you. Do you think your family's concern or some of your friends' concerns was it was it really for? Um, I, I'm hearing from you. It wasn't so much uh, against an interracial marriage as much as it was concerned for you about what issues that would bring up in your life or what you would have to face because you were in an interracial marriage and may have interracial children. Yeah. So my mom and my dad, for that matter, had said you know, it's just not what we pictured for you. And for the longest time, I didn't know what that meant and, um, or what we had dreamt for you. And, um, finally it was just a couple of years ago. I asked my mom, what do you mean by that? And, and she said, I just, we wouldn't want you to have to, um, encounter any more, you know, struggles in your life, that kind of thing. And they, um, just knew that by us getting married, there will probably be more hurdles we would have to um, address and, you know, deal with than yeah. a normal, norm, normal, whatever that means, um, you know. As a, as a normal to, married white couple right, or, or, or black whatever, couple whatever. Or, or whatever. Yeah. 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 So, Jeremy, as a, as a black man who had been uh, the res- uh, on the other end of racial injustices mm-hmm. your entire life, how did that speak to you? Like, uh, <laughs> um, for me, like as a black man, I'm going to always have struggles. There's always going to be someone that looks at me, says that's a black man. He's dangerous. He's a thug. He's, um, should, will probably be in jail. You know, he probably didn't have a father at home. I mean, they're going to list off all these things that as a black man that I either, probably experience based on TV and media and what they think they know about black people um, or make judgments based on same thing about who I am as a person. Um, And so for me, like, I'm like, I'm going to have struggles no matter what, because I'm black. Yeah. You were like, that's my life already. Welcome to my life. Yeah. I mean, there's certain countries we at one point talked about moving to a, a foreign country and doing college ministry and one of the things I told Ginger, I said, why don't you ask? She had friends over there doing this work. How do they treat black people? She's and like, me oh. And my naivete was like, oh, they're great. Fine. Totally fine. Like I'd never, that n- never crossed my mind. Never even thought of any, like I'd never had to think of that before. So we asked them and they were like, oh, no, no, mm. no, no. Yeah, don't Unless come. Unless you feel called to extreme persecution, no, mm. you should not be there. And I was dumbfounded because mm. I had lived there for six months and never. It, well, I think I saw one or two black people. So you're fine. You're good. And that was one of the things for me was major eye opener. Like, oh, oh, it's not the same. Yeah. Like 
it's it's different. Yeah, it's, people people talk about white privilege, and we're not going to get into that in this podcast. But that's it because yeah. our perspective does not show us what it's like for people of other races. No, no, and not a clue. Yeah, yeah, not a clue. And so now, even you know, when we travel, it's like okay, well, let's let's check and see. You know, how do they treat black people? Is this okay? Is this a good place for us, for our kids? Mm-hmm. You know, um, looking, you know, traveling other countries, different places, things like that. Like, yeah. because wow. we don't know. Things we just don't think about. Um, yeah. So, uh, all right. So let's fast forward a few more years. Um, the Barbies have four beautiful <laughs> children. Uh, and I mean that, like, you guys have beautiful <laughs> children. So, um can you talk to us a little bit about um, any any difficulties? You, well, let me ask it this way: how how have you had to approach raising interracial children different than, say, a black couple or a white couple, or or have you had to face that differently? So I think, like at least for me, um, being the white mom of kids that don't look like me, <laughs> um, I. I approach it a lot like my parents did. Um, I, w- I want our kids to not be in a sea of one color of children. Um, and so we picked schools based on that, that our kids would be in a classroom with kids that are brown, white, red, yellow, green, whatever, so that they're not in this homogenous, you know, where they feel like they're different. Mm-hmm. Different in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we have intentionally, um, we, we've made decisions about schools, about where we live, about our church, um, based on, on that f- for our kids. Oh, can I stop you there for just a second? Yes. <laughs> um, so have you run into stuff with churches, being an interracial couple and having interracial children? Listen, don't name the church. I'm just saying. <laughs> Have you run into problems with churches? No, I think we're church people. Churches. This this is not a knock on anybody, but churches, any kind of group, anything, tend to be homogenous. You tend to gather with people that are similar to you, and a lot of times, um, that is based on color. Um, and so, you know, I've always heard that you know, ten o'clock on Sunday is the most segregated hour, you know, in our country, um, and so. I, when I was a missionary in Chicago, I went to a church that um, was probably the most mixed of any congregation I'd ever been a part of, and they worked very hard at it. Um, they had what they called fudge ripple meetings um, once a quarter where um, the black population would meet and the white population would meet, and they would talk about issues and things that um, were, they were struggling with with the other group, and then they would come together. And in a organized fashion, discuss what was bugging them. They and would pull work up a through. chair. Yes. Mm-hmm. And work through these problems once a quarter. So, like, they were very intentional about it. And it was just such a beautiful model of it doesn't have to be the most segregated time. And so I, I don't know if we've ever felt not welcome in a church Um but I think but, we've also been very intentional about yeah. the churches that we've looked at. Yeah. And so things like checking out a church's website, Facebook page. And honestly, I'm looking to see, especially on like social media stuff, how many photos do they have people of color? Is it all white? Is it all black? Like 
what does it look like? So when they've got photos of church events and the staff is all white, um, or, or even all male, or all male, we've even. Looked, you know, even if it's like all white male, we're like, oh, okay, that's not, not the place for yeah. us. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that we've ever felt not welcome in a church. No, but I, I just think, think we've been intentional about wanting our kids to be in situations where it's not all one. But again, it's fair to say, I think, you correct me if I'm wrong, that you have had to give forethought to these things where so many couples or families don't have to give forethought to those things. Yes. yes. Yeah, definitely. Well, and that's one of the things, I mean, the biggest thing probably I learned in marrying Jeremy is that so many things you have to give forethought to. And in our white privilege, we, we, we never thought about it. I mean, you don't think twice about it. You know, and one of the things, and this is a silly reference, but um, Jeremy, I, I watched Grey's Anatomy, and um, there was a show where um, Bailey, one of the doctors, is, is black, and there was a show where this kid came in, and he had been shot by police. He was a black kid, and he was trying to get into his house. He forgot his key, and they thought he was breaking in because he was a black teenager. And so, and they shot him, and he died. And... Bailey and her husband are like, we need to have this discussion with our son. And so they sit down in the show with their son telling him, you're a black male. So this is what things look like for you now. And, you know, when you come in contact with police, you can't run. You can't, you know, all these things you have to do. And we sat down and watched that show and we're like, we need to have that discussion with our kids. And like, partly it's really sad. And partly like, it just is. Like, it's just a reality. Like, we need to we need to sit down and say, okay, like, when you're addressed by police, like, you can't be running away. You can't, like, you need to have respect. <laughs> you need to, um, you know, not have your hands in your pocket. All these things, like, that our kids, especially our boys, are probably going to have to deal with. And that's that's a sobering thing. Something so. your your family never had to have a conversation with you about. No. Jeremy, did your family have to have a conversation with you about that? Yeah, I don't remember us having a specific moment that we sat down and talked about it, but I do remember it was always a known thing that we discussed as far as how you act. Um, you know, and so not wanting to be really putting yourself in a situation where someone assumed that you were trying to pull a gun or trying to do something violent. And so things like keeping your hands visible you know, being respectful. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Um, and just kind of those things. And so really your actions were important, you know? And so those are things that I had to learn as a kid. And I mean, thankfully I've never had any negative interactions with the police. I've got friends that are police officers. Um, and so, but it's definitely something that I've had in the back of my head. And even now, um, it's something that, I always think about, even as an adult, um, about my interactions. And so it's still something that, you know, if I'm ever pulled over, um, you know, by a police officer about how I act, interactions, where my hands are at, visibility, everything before I reach for my wallet, you know, I'm letting them know where my wallet's at or where my registration or insurance card is located. So they know exactly what I'm going on or if I have a handgun in the car, I'm telling them, you know, I have one, I'm a licensed handgun holder, 
you know, this is where it's located. I mean, just all those things. And so just giving them as much notice of what's happening just so there's clarity on both sides. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Ginger, even, even your experience growing up and, and how intentional your parents were, um, is it still fair to say that you've, you've learned a lot being married to a black man? Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. And it, and it's a whole new level when you bring kids into it and, yeah. and you know, I, I don't want my kids to be respectful and safe and wise and, but I can't shield them from the outside world. You know, I yeah. mean, they're going to come into contact with people that don't care for them. And, and it may or may not be because of the color of their skin, but just, you know, training them up in the way they should go and just praying over them that then, you know, God handles the rest. And, yeah. Cause and so many of those things, like whether just, you're white, black, right, red, yeah. yellow, green, general, just having kids as parents. Yeah, yeah. As parents. And so I, I do think there's an added piece with our kids. Um, but I think that the the intentionality that we have and and the people that we've surrounded them with, um, we've done you know by design. Yeah, so. yeah. Just more again, more intentionality and and more thought forethought and mm-hmm. um, really, uh, Ginger, just you, you carrying on the tradition that your family instilled <laughs> in you, but really just uh, exposing your family and your children mm-hmm. to to more than just what they know as well mm-hmm. and. Um, I, I think that's um, learning from both of you. I think that's just uh, so important is being able to sit down and have those hard conversations um, with with people that are that are different from you, look different, think different, act different, and and being willing to to do that and intentionally put yourself in places where you have to do that. Um, it's so good. Any last thoughts you guys would share with us today? I think the as for me, as far as the last thought, the biggest thing that I have learned or continue to learn as far as being in an interracial relationship um, and with kids that are uh, mixed race is how important it is to judge people not on the color of their skin, but on the character. Mm. And to truly take the time to get to know people, get to know who they are, get to know them as a person, um, instead of trying to judge someone based on what media tells us they should be or should act or based on what we think, based on how we grew up, that that person is because of things we've heard or, you know, people have said about people of other colors or races, but really take the time to get to know each person individually. God has created us all as individuals. He's created us all unique. And so um, it makes a difference on taking the time to experience that uniqueness of each person. Mm. And so if you take the time to get to know someone as an individual, as a person, then your life is more fulfilled, is richer because you've gotten to know people as individuals instead of people as colors. Yeah. Yeah. It's so wise. So good. I think also like for us, maybe we have a benefit in of <clears throat> from being in an interracial marriage. Like, we're just always learning, like even still 12 years later, like we're still learning different things. I'm like, oh, I, I, I never knew that that was an issue for you or that, you know. And so having that that learning spirit, I think approaching situations that you're always going to learn something um, and and being willing to, to approach new situations like that puts you in an advantage mm-hmm. because 
you go into, I don't know everything, you know, and so, and then teaching that to our kids as well, I think puts you in an advantage to, to have just more of an open heart in, in new situations uh, with different people, different things, that kind of thing. Um, so that's one thing I just feel like I'm still learning, you know, um, for us, uh, there's always new things, um, because, you know, it's two totally different cultures and two, you know, Mm. even as simple as our first Thanksgiving together, it was like, he's like, you're doing mac and cheese. I'm like, we don't do mac and cheese. (laughs) He's like, well, we do, you know? We don't do green bean casserole. I know. He's like, you crazy. What? You don't do green bean casserole? You crazy white people and green bean casserole? So We do green beans, not green bean casserole. Why you have mushrooms? So now, you know, I just, well, we have mac and cheese, we have, you know, so, um, but, but really like it, Starts out simple things like that, yeah. and then I'm, I'm reminded of your grandfather at <laughs> 85 ish, uh-huh. still being willing to learn new things yeah. and being open yeah. to new 100%. things, and and having that conversation and knowing that he probably didn't have to agree. Right, you you and he, Jeremy, didn't have to see eye to eye, but he was still willing to have that conversation. And he yes. approached life that way. I mean, I think that's that's one of the things that was so cool about him is. He always just, okay, tell me about it. Okay, you know, I mean, and that's yeah. that's how he approached everybody. Yeah. And so that was really cool. Yeah. And, and that's that's why we're here today. That's the point of this podcast. And so uh, I, I can't really think of anybody better to kick this off and be <laughs> the first episode. So Jeremy Ginger, thank you guys so very much, um, not only for what you shared with us today, but what you share with us just in life in general and how you live and how you're such a model and example for all of us. And we, we really appreciate that. And and I hope you've taken inspiration from Jeremy and Ginger today that you would pull up a chair with someone who looks different than you do, thinks differently than you do, behaves differently than you do, and just have a conversation. And pull up a chair, have a conversation. Uh, and learn something new. And so um, follow us, invite your friends to follow us, share this with your friends. Uh, Check out Jeremy's uh, sermon at aldersgate.online. We'll be back with episode two, and uh, you'll want to check us out for that as well. But in between now and then, be sure to pull up at least one chair with someone who looks, thinks, and behaves differently than you do.